Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the wonderful first game of the NFL season. We have the Hall of Fame game on tonight. I'm going to be your host today, Sean, PSU fans to Newsham. I'm going to help you guys run through some thoughts and strategies when looking at the Hall of Fame game. Um, it is a bit different than the rest of the regular season because there's only one, so you're getting a showdown slate out of it, and then also... Uh, it is the first game. So these teams are playing an extra game in the preseason, and they are going to come in and probably play more back-end guys. So some quick thoughts in terms of the Hall of Fame game in general, and then next week when we come back for the regular preseason where there are bigger slates and more teams, I'll give you a bit more of a breakdown of that path and tell you how to approach those slates. So for the Hall of Fame game, the first thing that comes to mind in terms of approaching the slate is – Opportunity is greater than all other things, including talent. Uh, you're looking for players that have great opportunities to produce during the game. If you look back through previous Hall of Fame games, you'll notice that there are limited interactions for every player for the most part. Uh, teams run a lot of back-end guys on the roster. Most starters do not play at all. If they do, they play very limited amount of snaps, maybe one series at most. So you're looking for places on the depth chart where it's very thin and that you can sort of gauge, be like, there's only three guys at running back. I know that these guys are at least going to play and get some activity uh, because it's going to be hard to pinpoint exactly how much volume anyone will get. So the best idea and the best path to do this is to sort of look at where teams are thin and decide based on that, okay, they're thin. There's really only a couple options. So these guys have to get volume. Because if you have a situation where you have, let's say, 15 receivers and they're all active for the game, 
that limits snap counts for every single one of them. Uh, it trickles down and trickles upwards in terms of your inability to sort of pinpoint, oh, this guy's going to get six targets in the game. It's more so these guys are all going to play about five to 10 snaps. I maybe have one opportunity. Um, that leads to the next point. Defenses are king in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, in general, in preseason, when you have showdown slates, defenses are the best plays a lot of the time. If you look through previous Hall of Fame games, you'll notice the defenses end up in optimal lineups more than any other position and any other player. Uh, that does include captain and it includes non-captain and just in the flex and the showdown slate. So the reason for this is when you look at every other player, they are limited to the amount of snaps that they will play. The defenses, however, will play every single defensive snap for their team in the game. Add on to that, that typically defenses are um, playing against players that are a lot more mistake prone and maybe not as polished as you'll see during the regular season. So you'll see a lot more sacks, a lot more fumbles, a lot more interceptions due to these things. So if we look back at last year's Hall of Fame game, the one defense was by far the highest scorer in the game, and they ended up being the best play by far. Uh, the year before, the defenses both ended up in an optimal lineup. However, they did have a couple players that were um, more utilized and therefore were better captains. So in terms of what to use for the players, the defenses are typically king and typically end up in your winning lineups for GPPs and cash. However, sometimes they may or may not be in captain or they may be in flex. Next thing is the limited utility of players and who to play in captain. So typically in the preseason, it's very difficult for a non-mobile quarterback to be the captain and winner in the Hall of Fame game. The reason for this is because if they do not have mobility, they have no rushing upside, which therefore leads to them passing whenever they get in terms of passing usage. That's what their production is. The issue is, is obviously if they throw a touchdown, someone is on the receiving end of the touchdown, which therefore will lead to that person more than likely having more points than the quarterback. For example, if you have a non-mobile quarterback that plays a half and throws for 100 yards and a touchdown, you're looking at eight points. Well, the person who catches the touchdown is at minimum at 7.1 points just on the touchdown, the catch, and the one yard at, if they throw a touchdown from the one. So more than likely, you're looking at a receiver who would be ahead of the quarterback in that situation in terms of optimal status. Now, that said, the quarterbacks are still very important. Uh, if the quarterbacks are playing a significant amount of time and they get six to eight points, it's a very good probability that they will end up in an optimal lineup. That leads to the next point of points that you can expect and you hope for from your players in the Hall of Fame game. So in the Hall of Fame game, you will probably have very few players that score double digit points, if any at all. Last year in the Hall of Fame game, not a single player outside of a defense recorded 10 points. The highest player was Malik Turner at 8.7 points last year. He had four catches for, I believe, 47 yards. So he was the top player in the game. So if you get six to eight points from a player, it's a very good probability that they are going to end up in the winning GPP lines and cash lines. Um, so then that will lead to my last point to the Hall of Fame game is the best way to differentiate yourself and find the winning GPP lineup is to have a receiver that catches a touchdown or a running back that's maybe a back end guy that will catch a touchdown. So, for example, is if a receiver catches a 20 yard touchdown and scores nine points that person is almost certainly going to end up in the GPP winning lineup. 
Now, when you look at the lineups for GPPs, you're going to find quarterbacks and defenses are incredibly highly owned. The defenses I would reckon will come in at 75 plus percent easily. And then some of the quarterbacks will be 50% or more. So when you're looking at some of these back end receivers on the depth chart, most teams will have 10 to 15 guys, which we'll see today when I go through the depth charts. And if they have, let's say 13, 14 receivers, the ownership between the receivers will be spread out. So you will find some guys at the back end at one, 2% owned. If you have a guy at one to 2% owned that ends up putting up 10 points and catches a 30 yard touchdown, that can really propel you to the top of GPPs. Uh, in cash games, I would recommend staying away from receivers in general. Most of your top plays are going to be quarterbacks, defenses, and uh, even kickers in the preseason. So that's something to take a note of. So today we'll go through each team's depth chart and I'll give you guys some ideas of what I'm thinking going into some things. Um, and then the last key, this should have been in the a minute ago. This is probably the most important thing. Make sure you guys are following along. I'll be updating things in Discord along with other people and make sure you're seeing who's in and out of lineups. Typically for the Hall of Fame game, we will get a list of players that are inactive. What that means is maybe, yes, you were playing that player, but what it also means is someone could be propelled from maybe an afterthought to a stonelock best play on the slate at 7 p.m. an hour before the kickoff. So you have to make sure you are staying uh, aware of what is happening throughout the day. If anyone is being ruled out, um, that is a crucial thing to note. So make sure you guys are in the Discord. Um, I'll be in there to answer any questions as well. So looking at the first team on the slate today. So if you guys go, this is a great page that we have already designed for you guys for the preseason. Um, and you'll see the preseason depth charts. It's a very easy link where you can go through each and every team on the preseason uh, schedule and see. So we're going to start off with Jaguars tonight and we'll talk about what they have and what we're looking at. So first thing with the Jaguars that we're going to note is that they have two quarterbacks that are at us now. Uh, Lawrence and Bethard are not expected to play, which therefore leads you with Jake Luton and Kyle Slaughter. Now, neither of these guys are extremely talented. I would not expect them to be very mobile. Um, neither of them is a guy that's going to run and take off and put up huge yardage from that perspective. Now, however, what we do notice is there's only two. So there's one full game at quarterback to be played, and there's only two of them. I expect Jake Luton to get a majority of the snaps. Um, now, granted, that might just mean he plays one half and then Slaughter plays the second half. But Luton at quarterback tonight has the best upside to play more than any other quarterback. Um, I think it's realistic he could play into the second half uh, in the event they want to see a little bit more of him. Because Slaughter, I believe, was just sort of signed as like a camp body and a camp arm to go out there and throw some extra passes. So for me, Luton's probably the top quarterback option on the slate. All right, moving down to the running backs. As you see, we do not expect Etienne or James Robinson to play. That leaves them with only four running backs. Uh, Rykel Armstead's been on the team for a few years. And I don't expect him to get tons of work. Uh, he might start the game and get a series or two, which the issue with that is if he does get a series or two, that cuts into the back end guys who are maybe more likely options for a given lineup. Um, Snoop Connor is my favorite from a talent perspective. Uh, the rookie out of Ole Miss was really productive at Ole Miss. He was in a three-man backfield at Ole Miss. So even though he may not get tons of snaps tonight, he's already used to that. And he was able to show last year that he was very productive in limited snaps, was able to find the end zone a lot. And then more GPP related, uh, Makai Sargent has been around the league for quite a few years now. Uh, he's pretty much a known commodity. 
Nathan Cottrell, on the other hand, is out of Georgia Tech. He's been clocked to run a 4-3-8-40. And if there ends up being some back-end run um, for the Jags tonight, Cottrell could be a guy that maybe could pop one or get more carries than you would think. And he should be relatively low-owned because he's not a known commodity. No one really knows him, and he's at the total back end of the depth chart. All right, moving down to the receivers. Uh, as you see, we have 13 receivers listed on the depth chart. We don't expect much, if any, snaps from Kirk Jones uh, or Zay Jones. And then Chanel and Treadwell, we don't really expect much from as well. Uh, Agnew is very questionable for the Hall of Fame game, which generally speaking, when a guy is questionable, I avoid uh, it all scenarios for the most part. So I would likely just remove Agnew from your player pool. If you get word that he is not inactive, you can plug him back in. But for the most part, for me, anytime guys are knocked up, I try to avoid them because they're just other options that are out there. So looking at the rest of the receiving core, Jeff Cotton Jr. has been raved about during camp. He's been very good in camp. He's had a very productive preseason before as well. So he's probably going to be the most high-owned receiver on the slate, which is a good thing in terms of I do think quite a few people play him, and I do think he is the best receiving option that we've seen. However, receiver is going to be a very high-variance position. So I would probably not really go overweight on him in GPPs because you can just play other guys at significantly low ownerships that maybe will have an equal opportunity to what he will. Um, looking through the rest, we have Kevin Austin, who's out of Notre Dame, was relatively productive last year. Uh, preseason legend Marvin Hall, who's been catching preseason passes for years. And then Lawan Jones, Willie Johnson, Ryan McDaniel. So realistically, when we look at receivers, you're going to find um, that they're all similar. There's really not massive differentials in receiver unless the position is very shallow which for me is generally like five or six players would be my definition of shallow. This would not meet my definition. Uh, so in terms of GPP, I would definitely throw some darts with them, but no one really steps out. Uh, looking at the tight end position, I don't expect much from uh, Ingram, Arnold, probably even Mannard. So that leaves like Farrell, Prince, and Gunther. Uh, they could be productive in GPP. Like I said, if they catch a one-yard touchdown, it's very likely they're going to be in an optimal line. For me, I will most likely not touch much of the tight ends. I'll have very limited exposure to them. Uh, but that is to note with tight ends is that they can still get there just as much as the receivers. Uh, and they typically will be more under-owned than the receivers. Uh, at kickers, we have Santoso and Elliot Fry. It's possible both kick during the game. So I don't think the kicking options for Jacksonville is something that you should go with. And then the Jacksonville defense, which you do not see, here is definitely a great option for tonight, probably the second best. Uh, the reason I like the Raiders more is because I think the quarterback play of Luton and Sloter is probably worse than what we will get out of the Raiders. So if you go up here, you guys can see that there is a drop-down tab where you can go and find anything you want. So moving over to the Raiders, uh, we don't think Derek Carr is going to play. However, as you notice with the Raiders, they have three quarterbacks with Stidham, Mullins, and Garbers. Uh, I do expect Stidham to get the most playing time of the Raiders quarterbacks and think he's definitely an option in your cash game lineups. Um, I think that he'll probably get a half or possibly at least close to a half, which makes him pretty close to Luton and probably right there with Sloter in terms of expected playing time. But he does probably have a little, a little more talent. Uh, the issue is, is that his downside in playing time is a bit more than the others because it could be where he gets a quarter, Mullins gets a quarter, and then Garbers gets a half. Uh, for me, I'm not as interested in Nick Mullins because 
He's a known commodity around the league. I don't think he'll get a significant amount of snaps in this game in most scenarios. So for me, he's the worst of the quarterback options tonight of all five. Um, and then Garbers. Garbers is going to be a bit more of a wild card for me tonight. He has mobility. The other quarterbacks really don't have much mobility, but Garbers has proven over his college career that he can run a bit. So if for whatever reason Garbers got a half where they only ran Sidham and Mullins in the first half and they basically let Garbers clean up, Garbers definitely has the possibility to be a top end quarterback on the slate. So I would definitely make sure you utilize some Garbers in your GPP lineups, at least uh, looking at the running back. So we're not expecting Jacobs, Drake or Bolden to play much at all. Britton Brown has been banged up and then Jacob Johnson is a fullback. So that leaves the running back situation that we're anticipating for tonight as Zamir White, Amir Abdullah and Austin Walter. Typically in the past, when McDaniels was with the Patriots, they've been notorious for giving the back-end guy. Like, I remember Tyler Gaffney just getting fed in a preseason game. Uh, a lot of work. And especially in the second half, typically the second half and the end of the game in the Hall of Fame game is a very bland offense where they basically just run dives up the middle and just that's pretty much how they run out the game. Um, even if the team is leading, they might do that. If the team is behind, they still might do that. They might not pass. So I think it's possible that Walter gets a lot of work, uh, a lot more than you would anticipate, especially if Zamir White is limited or they do not plan to use him very much in this game, which I think is a possibility. Uh, so I definitely think Austin Walter, of all the running backs in the game tonight, has the highest upside in terms of touch volume, which is what we care about the most. Moving on to the receivers. Um, one quick note of the receivers overall, I do think the quarterback play as a whole is better from the Raiders than it is from the Jaguars, which does help the receivers a little bit. I uh, don't expect Adams or Renfro much at all. I even don't really expect tons from Matt Collins. Uh, Keelan Cole intrigues me because he has been very productive in the preseason before. He's clearly very talented, and it's a revenge game where he gets to go against his old team, the Jaguars. So He's someone I think could produce if given opportunities. And then looking through the rest of the lineup, I think that uh, Tyron Johnson and Demarcus Robinson have quite a bit of talent. Uh, and they will typically be outside receivers that could be up and down the field. Uh, a lot of the times if a guy catches a long touchdown, a 50-yard touchdown in the preseason, let's say, that guy's almost surely going to be in the winning lineup, very likely to be uh, the captain. It's a situation where the defense, it's pretty much generally going to be the defense or like a receiver, or quarterback, or running back that gets 10 to 12 points. So it really comes down to does a defense score a touchdown? Typically, if a defense scores a touchdown, they will be the captain. If a defense does not score a touchdown, they're less likely to be the captain. Uh, and when looking at non-captains, you look at guys like Tyron Johnson, Demarcus Robinson, Isaiah Zuber, and George B.C., they're going to be outside receivers that are going to be running wind sprints down the sidelines. They might have a shot at catching a 50 or 60 yard touchdown. Uh, for me, I really like DJ Turner and Justin Hall. The reason I like them is they do not have tons of slot options here uh, with Hunter Renfro not playing. When you look at Johnson, Robinson, Zuber, and BC, these guys are mainly outside receivers that won't be as active. So uh, another thing to note with Justin Hall is Justin Hall is a very big gadget play out of uh, gadget player out of Ball State. He had six rushing touchdowns despite being very small in stature last season. So I think the thing that stands out for me with Justin Hall is he's very likely to get some sort of usage or some sort of gadget plays, which therefore means he's at least likely to get a touch or two in the offense, 
which is very valuable when you can't really predict who's going to get how many touches uh, on the game. Scrolling down to the uh, tight ends, again, I'm not expecting much out of Waller, Moreau. Uh, Hollister has been a guy that has smashed the preseason before, and then you have Horstead as well. I probably will sprinkle in the tight ends, but overall, they're not as appealing to me as some of the receivers. Looking at kicker, as of right now, Daniel Carlson's the only kicker that we would expect to play tonight. In the past, in the Hall of Fame game, they do some weird things where maybe a punter ends up kicking or something like that. So definitely be on the lookout and make sure that Carlson is active for the game and is going to take uh, field goal attempts. If he does not, obviously you would remove him. All right, so if we look, if we go back here to the main Roto Grinders page for NFL, uh, you guys will see a core plays article, which we wrote up as well. Uh, a lot of the core plays is going to reiterate some of the things I just talked about in the video. But we'll be changing the core plays throughout the day and adding new people in and out of the different tiers. So, for example, if Zamir White's out, all of a sudden he'll be completely removed from tier three. And then possibly we would move up other players as well. So it's definitely something to check, look at the key players. I didn't include every single player, but I included a good chunk of them. Um, guys that aren't listed are still viable, especially back-end receivers and tight ends, uh, because they still could get touches in the offense and have a chance. So definitely make sure you check that out. And then if you guys go to lineup HQ to uh, build your lineups, you guys will see that we do have projections this year. I would not treat the projections as uh, Bible. I would definitely look at the projections, see like what we're looking at for projections. But in general, what we try to more so do here with projections for tonight is we try to um, – give players a projection that would indicate what sort of tier they're on and like what type of player they are. So they're not necessarily uh, exact projections that you would expect during the regular season. It's more so like a guide to be like, this is how to build a lineup. This is what to look at. So don't just look at the numbers. And as you'll see, like a lot of people have the same projection. It's because basically the way we did projections was we tiered them and if you're on a certain tier, you'll get the same projection as someone else on that tier. Uh, you can totally change the projections however you guys would like right here by filtering in things. Um, so if you guys want to give players different projections, you can. The way that I like to do the preseason is the only thing that really matters to me is ownership and how much percentage I have of a player and exposure. So for me, the projections aren't that important in the preseason. It's more about making sure if I want 12% of a certain player, I find a way to get 12% of that player not how many points he's expected to get. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for us today. Like I said, uh, make sure you guys are staying in the know on news and notes for the game. Um, make sure you guys are in the Discord. I'll be in there. If you guys have questions, make sure, feel free to ask me. Um, we'll also be updating as the day goes if there's any news and notes and injuries that would come up. So make sure you guys are refreshing pages and looking and checking back at things and making sure things are up to date. Next week, we'll be back with some more bigger slates as well as some smaller slates. And I'll give you guys a different rundown on how to approach preseason as a whole instead of just a showdown slate. So thanks for coming, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck to everyone. <laughs>